Welcome to Genius Time, a community committed to bringing you the tools to help change your life and unlock your human potential. I'm your host, Kenny Lowe, and thank you for joining me. So let's jump into the three reasons why people fail to succeed, why people don't have the level of success they want, whether it's, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your finances, whether it's in your relationships, whatever it is. So let's jump in. The three reasons I've identified through many, many years of working with people, the first one is people simply don't believe they can. Whether it's, whether it's health, whether it's a relationship, whether it's finances, whether it's becoming financially stable, becoming wealthy, whatever the case may be, people don't hold the belief they can. So we can jump into why, and we will a little bit later, but a lot of it has to do with our subconscious programming. So people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, Dr. Bruce Limpton, Biology of Belief, so many of these folks at the leading edge of science are saying our subconscious mind is like the operating system of a computer, right? It's programmed by age seven with the information that we mostly observe, not even are told or taught. So it's, it's our perception of the world, whether we think the world is safe, whether we think the world is dangerous, whether we think the world is loving, whether we think it's kind, you know, it really shapes our behavior, what we observe, how we observe people getting their needs met. And, and that can be maladaptive, right? If we're seeing people do things to meet their needs in a maladaptive way or a way that, you know, is against the grain or unlawful, we can see that and we observe that. So that's, you know, that's where we get a lot of our subconscious beliefs. So the latest research on, on conscious and subconscious says 95% of our operating system is, 95% uh, of our time is spent in this operating system, this subconscious mind. So that only leaves 5% of our day for creative thinking, for our active thoughts, you know, 5% of our destiny, 5%. So imagine if you were out on a playground, like field day in elementary school, and imagine if you have 95 kids in this tug-of-war game versus five, five kids, right? So we got 95 kids versus five. This is our subconscious mind versus our conscious mind. So all these things kind of like just positive affirmations, think positively, think positively. Well, that active thought, that creative thought you're having are is those five kids. And it's just heavily skewed five versus 95, our subconscious thoughts. You know, so if I believe the world is a dangerous place, if I believe the world is not friendly to me, you know, me using a personal example, if I believe I will never be successful because black people can't succeed in this country, if that's what I observed, if that's what was downloaded in my operating system, that's 95, you know, and it's, if I'm, you know, in my mid thirties, right? So if for 30 plus years, I've been feeling like black people can't succeed in this country, that, you know, that's like 95 bodybuilders pulling on that side of the rope. So just starting out with, you know, I believe I can, I believe I can be successful. That is like, you know, some pretty puny five kids pulling against 95 bodybuilders, right? So we'll talk about strategies later to make that, to balance out that tug of war. But that's the, the number one reason why I see people don't succeed is they simply don't believe they can. Their subconscious mind is operating on this program of it's not possible, it's not doable, it's not for me. So that's the number one reason. Number two reason I see people don't have the level of success they want, 
whether it's in, again, whether it's fitness, whether it's health, whether it's finances, relationships, people set their goals way too small. And we even teach this, right? We teach um, smart goals, right? Specific, measurable, attainable, or actionable, realistic. So we're setting realistic goals, goals, quote unquote, you can't see me, but I'm doing quote air quotes around realistic goals, which is already boxing us in, right? So anybody that's achieved greatness in any capacity didn't start with a realistic goal. Their outcome, the intended outcome was not realistic, right? So I first heard Will Smith talk about this. Will Smith said, like he didn't he didn't like the word realistic why because we use that as an excuse so he talked about thomas edison you know at some point walking into a room and flipping a light switch or pressing a button i mean nowadays we don't even need to do that we can automatically walk into a room and have sensors pick us up and lights come on in that room that was unrealistic you know go back 100 200 500 years for most of human history that's completely unrealistic we were walking in with lanterns, candles, torches, anything except for electricity. We didn't have access to that. We didn't. We couldn't even comprehend that. That was unrealistic. But good thing Thomas Edison didn't think so, right? So then, you know, the Wright brothers and flight and airplanes. So getting in a big metal can and flying across the world, flying across the ocean, that's unrealistic. You know, could you imagine how many, you know, Christopher Columbus, if you like that dude, um, you know, Lewis and Clark, the pioneers, you know, imagine how many lives would have been saved. Imagine how many, imagine, you know, that, that pioneer Oregon trail. Imagine if they could have just flew from the East coast to the West and, and seen from above, you know, so it wasn't realistic at that time. Right. So what else we have Henry Ford and the automobile, imagine getting in a car. You know, imagine, so we had covered wagons, you know, we had horses, but imagine getting in a car. And then when the car was first built, I just heard somebody say, you know, so what was, it was like people thought, you know, the engines would, would combust if it went more than like 20 miles an hour, you know? And so now we're sitting in cars that can go 150, you know, 200 miles an hour, race cars going 200 miles an hour. It's unrealistic, right? But thank goodness people didn't see it that way. You know, we, we're all blessed by having access to the internet, you know, instant connection to answers. I, I, I grew up in school using, having to use an encyclopedia, you know, going to the library, Dewey Decimal System, you know, card catalogs, even in college, you know, that's how I had to search for my, my, uh, I studied music. So we had a, a music library and I had to go through the old school way, find the card catalog, Dewey Decimal System to find the right record to listen to right a lot of a lot of my classical music wasn't hadn't yet been transposed into cds and cassette tapes so i'm listening to vinyls right <laughs> you know this ain't too long ago this is the 2000s right i'm listening to vinyls of my classical music and that's how i had to study that's how i had to prepare I had to listen to the parts being performed on vinyl records you know so imagine having you know in in that is around the time where ipods started becoming huge right so then instantly mp3 players M mp3s having access to music that was on a vinyl you know having access to can you imagine going back in time i'm studying people like mozart and beethoven can you imagine could you imagine if they had the notoriety the ease of access of getting their information out 
much like the ease of access I have to record this and hit submit on a podcast. Could you imagine the how, you know, how successful some of these legends would have been if we had instant access to hear their music, to see their their art, to see even great performers in in athletics, even folks that played before the modern technology of television and all that stuff. Could you imagine if you got to see Wilt Chamberlain score 100 points in basketball? Not many people saw it. We didn't have the ease of internet. You know, we didn't, things couldn't go viral. So just going to, going back to the point is, is most people set their goals way too small. I got a little sidetracked, but people set their goals way too small with what is realistic for them. And, you know, I'll get into some strategies later, but I'm not a fan of setting realistic goals, right? We need to know what we're shooting for. We need to dream big. And so I'll talk about it later, but I heard a speaker say, your goals, you know, I want you to create a goal that all your other goals could fit inside of. So that's the second reason. But let's jump into the third reason. The third reason why I see people fail to have the level of success they want or they they dream of. So first we have people just don't think it's possible. And then we have people setting their goals way too small. The third reason is people quit or give up way too soon. So most people fail to get started. Most people don't take action towards their dream. And then the next tier of people take action. And when they face some kind of difficulty, they face some type of challenge, they stop. You know, they take that as a cue to quit. And so maybe this isn't for me. So let's jump into that a little bit, you know, because I think we can all think of times where things got difficult and then we changed course. How many of how many of us are where we are because of that? Right. Because we, things got difficult. And so we took that as a sign. Oh, maybe this isn't for me. But I guarantee you any mentor, any role model, any person that has the level of success you're desiring, whether it's fitness, again, whether it's fitness, finances, relationships, they faced adversity. But they didn't shrink away from that. You know, they may have changed courses, they may have pivoted, but so many people see an obstacle and we go, oh, it's not for me. We turn right around and we never go through that. We never know what it will be like to achieve that goal. And so that starts creating that habit of, okay, things are difficult. I'm going to move in the opposite direction. And we never accomplish anything great that way. We have to learn to push through adversity. So, you know, so many, th- so many people I listened to, there was um, a talk with Paulo Coelho, right? He's the author of The Alchemist. I think it's been on the bestseller list for something like 500 weeks. It's like ridiculous, right? It's 65 million copies of this book sold. But many people don't know when it was first published, it didn't sell very many copies. I think he told a story of, you know, it sold a copy and then down in his native Brazil, it sold a copy. And then a few months later, it sold another copy. And he was kind of thrilled. It was in the same town, across town, a bookstore sold the second copy. And he's like, you know, oh, what happened? Well, it was the same person that bought the first copy. They just gave it away. And so they wanted another copy. Right. So he's not selling these books. His publishers probably mad at him saying, oh, you know, well, we're just going to have to pull these from the shelves. We're not going to put any more of these out. They're not really selling. And so he believed in that dream. He believed in the work. He said, no, there's value here. And he believed in it so much that he started talking to other publishers. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I may not be telling this story exactly how he tells it or exactly right, but eventually he connected with another person that said, well, 
you know, they took a chance on him, published it, sent it out. Next thing you know, this book is selling like crazy. You know, a few a few famous people, Will Smith actually, I think Madonna was one. A couple um, legends and icons started pointing to the stories in this book as being transformational for them. So, needless to say, the book goes on to be on a bestsellers list for something like 500 consecutive weeks. It's still up there. Um, 65 million copies sold, like I said. And and you know he he go he he later goes back to that publisher and he says well why did you take a chance on me and he basically was like you believed in it and you since you the way you conveyed your belief in this it let me you know I it inspired my belief in it and so he took a chance right and so imagine if Paulo Coelho upon not sell, selling very many books imagine if he would have not. If he would have just shelved that idea and said, no, it's not worth it, you know, how many people's lives have been transformed because of the ideas and the concepts in that book? You know, and you can go even farther back in his story. So Paulo Coelho, many people don't know this, but as a young man growing up in Brazil, his parents, a lot of times people are sent to private education, right? So they're really focused on trying to get the most out of their children. That's, you know, that's like the down payment on your retirement is have a successful child. So his parents wanted him to be, you know, a lawyer, doctor, you know, all these things that would bring honor, bring clout, bring finances, bring wealth to their family. They wanted him to be successful because he was choosing a different path, an artistic path, you know, a writing path. They thought he was insane. They locked him up in, in mental health psychiatric hospitalizations three separate times before, you know, and this is just because he, his belief fell outside of what everybody thought and expected of him. Was he insane? Absolutely not. Is he insane? Absolutely not. He's one of the best creators, one of the best best authors of our time. But imagine if after the first psychiatric hospitalization, after the second or third, if he would have just given up on his dream and just conformed to what others expected of him. Okay, maybe I'm not supposed to be a writer. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. Maybe I should just go to school, be an engineer. How many lives aren't transformed because he didn't push through that difficulty? And I mean, I can't think of, I work in the mental health field, so I can't think of anything more difficult than to be psychiatrically hospitalized, you know, to put, be put in a congregate of, of folks that just shoving medications and, you know, counseling and therapy and just giving up on, you know, if there's any, if there's any system besides our criminal justice system, which is very interconnected, you know, if there's any system that just gives up on folks, it's like the mental health systems. And I can't imagine what the mental health, a psychiatric hospitalization in an underdeveloped country or under uh, parts of underdeveloped countries, South America, you know, not that all of South America is underdeveloped, obviously, but I can imagine, you know, the the obstacles that he faced trying to fulfill his path and what his, his vision was. So you know, perhaps that is why he believed so desperately in the story that he told in The Alchemist, because his path was full of its own adversity. So um, I'll put a link to him talking about this in the show notes. But um, most people, you know, if it's not one of those three, there's many, many other reasons why people don't have the level of success they want. We can all boil it down to one, one reason is fear. But of those three, I guarantee you, if you make headway on your beliefs, setting big goals, and then never stopping and not quitting, pushing through adversity, if you can do those three things, you'll be successful at anything you choose. All right, so what are some strategies? What are some strategies we can use to conquer and overcome these three? 
So let's start with our belief system. I've already talked a little bit about it, but reprogramming that subconscious mind is critical. You know, they talk about, um, you know, I think the reason why they were saying before the age of seven, or we kind of download our operating system is because as a child, we're in a theta brain state. So what does that mean? A theta brain state is a very suggestible state. It's why we can it's why we can do things like Santa Claus. You know, it's why why stories like Santa Claus or you know, the boogeyman, the tooth fairy, the Easter bunny. It's why small children believe so easily in in those those stories. It's why, you know, kids can entertain themselves with a broomstick riding around and believe they're riding on a horse. It's there in that theta brain state. It's very creative, it's very imaginative, it's very suggestible. So that brain state doesn't allow us to kind of critically filter things, you know. So when we're in that operating system, how can we do that as adults? You know, there's a lot of talk of hypnosis. There's a lot of talk of lucid dreaming. I don't know. Lucid dreaming is a technique. I, you know, I've been really trying to get into lucid dreaming. Um, but lucid dreaming allows you to really, you know, it, you take that cap of your, your um, analytical mind. That's gone when you're sleeping, right? So if you can use that rest time, that time you're sleeping, if you can use that to dive into that operating system and you know put in some empowering beliefs instead of those limiting ones that you may have inherited as a, as a five-year-old, a six-year-old, seven-year-old child, if you can get into that operating system, imagine what, you know, you're no longer using your six, seven, eight hours of sleep as just physical recovery, but also mental reprogramming. So, so the, there's hypnosis, there's um, the theta brain state kind of reprogramming through um, meditation as well as through um, lucid dreaming is what I was referring to. But then there's also just good old fashioned repetition, right? But that takes so long. You know, how many times do you have to give yourself the same affirmation? You know, I'm strong and powerful. I'm strong and powerful. You know, I can do anything. I can do anything. You give yourself those reputi those rep uh, repetitions those mental reps, it's going to take a very long time, especially, you know, if you're 30, 40, 50 years old, it's going to take a long time to reprogram that subconscious mind that has been telling you those limiting beliefs, you know, 95% of your days for what, 50 years, you know, how many mental reps you're going to have to do to, to, to create balance in that tug of war game, to build up those five to where they're strong enough to, to counteract that 95, it's going to take a lot of time. What, what was, what's the quote? Napoleon Hill said, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, you can achieve. And so you start, re, you start diving into that operating system and convincing yourself things are doable, things are achievable. You know, it just takes repetition. So we can do that. We can dive into that operating system. It just takes a very long time. So I suggest, you know, some of those things like what I do, those affirmations combined with physical movement you know, when it's for me, it's it's about your state. If you're flowing energy through walking, through exercise, flowing energy, you know, combine that. I call it habit stack. When you're moving and in nature and listening to affirmations or positive uplifting or just downloading information from a podcast, for me, that has been a game changer. That habit stack of moving, moving in nature and listening to you know, very intellectual information. For me, sometimes it just feels like I'm automatically able to download whatever the speaker is talking about. And so it just makes sense. You know, and people tease me, right? Because I'm listening to all my podcasts on two times speed. So it's like, 
you know, Jim Quick talks about like super reading and, and speed reading. I'm like speed listener, you know, and so maybe that's my superhero power. But um, just listening to stuff, you know, on repeat, it may be something that's so good that I just automatically start the podcast over and I just want to hear it over and over again. Just want to download it. I want to put it in the operating system. So that's one way that I've found success in in changing my beliefs. So what's some what's some things that we can do for uh, habit number two? Or, excuse me, self-limiting belief number two or the barrier obstacle number two is setting small goals, right? I don't, I don't set small goals. I have to set a very big goal, know where I'm going, and then break that down into manageable bites, right? Like, so I heard somebody say, you know, the steps to success are kind of like the GPS system, right? You have to set your destination in the GPS system if you want to know where you're going. Like you have to set, if I'm driving, if I'm road tripping from Portland, Oregon to Los Angeles, I have to put Los Angeles as my destination. Another part of that is you have to be accurate with that starting location, right? So many people aren't accurate with where they're starting in life. So if I'm trying to go Portland to LA, and I and I am pretending I'm already you know I'm farther than I am. I'm pretending I'm starting in San Francisco. The road signs, the directions aren't going to be familiar. It's not going to lead me where I want to go. You know, if I'm if I'm way on the East Coast, if I'm way out in left field, thinking I'm in Portland trying to go to L.A. You know, whatever that analogy is. You know, so if you're you know say you're trying to lose fifty pounds, and you're pretending like you're trying to go from, you know, 200 pounds to 150. But if you're at 300 pounds, that that diet, the nutrition, the the movement, it's going to those recommendations are going to be a lot different, right? You can't just if you're if you're 3 400 pounds, you can't just hop in a gym and do CrossFit. You're not going to be doing handstand push-ups. You know that that those those the the way you get to your destination if you're not accurate with your starting location is going to be completely different. So I always say that in terms of goal setting, one, you have to set your destination. You have to be honest and accurate about where you're starting from. But then they say, you know, the next part for that road trip is you actually have to get going. You actually have to put that car in drive, put your foot on the gas and start to move, right? You can have the fastest car in the world, but if you're sitting in park, you know, my Pinto is just as fast as your Lamborghini if we're in neutral. And we're just sitting there or in park or if the car ain't even turned on, you know, like the, those two automobiles are doing the exact same thing, whether it's a Ferrari or a smart car. You know what I'm saying? If you haven't turned it on, if you haven't started moving, if you haven't put the foot on the gas, if you haven't set your GPS, there's, you know, it's all for nothing. There's unlimited potential and there's wasted potential in one and or in both, actually, you know, so. When we set goals, when we start out to set goals, I very much believe you set the big goal. Like I said earlier, I think it was Ed Milet that said, when you're setting goals, try setting a goal that all your previous goals fit within. So if your goal is to get to your ideal body weight, you know, and you, you're sitting there setting those five pound, 10 pound goals, but you're 100 pounds overweight, that five pound goal, you know, that may just be one day of light eating and one day of good rest. And then you wake up and you're, oh, okay, I lost five pounds. Good, good, good. And then you're celebrating that by eating ice cream, celebrating that by taking it easy the next few days. And so you're not developing the habits needed to get to your ultimate goal. 
if your ultimate goal is optimal health and you need to lose 100 pounds to get there, setting five pound goals is a step in the right direction. It is not the goal, you know? So we have to be clear on where we're going. I need to lose 100 pounds. So again, one thing about goal setting that people forget is the value of a goal is not in the end result. It's not just to be 100 pounds lighter. If, if your optimal weight is around 200 and, and you're 300 pounds, losing 100 pounds, you know, like Tony Robbins said, there's many ways you can do that, right? You can like cut off, you can amputate both your legs, but that isn't going to get you the lifestyle that you're wanting, right? So he says, the value of a goal is who you become in the process of achieving that goal. It's not sustainable. If, if you dream of being a runner, you're not going to cut off your legs to get that you know, that weight loss, right? So what do we do? It's, it's not in just losing the weight. It's not just in being 100 pounds lighter because if you don't do it the right way, that weight will come back on you, right? So what we're doing is becoming that person. Now, you know, envision, what I always have people do is envision what it would be like. What does your normal day look like when you're at that goal weight? If your dream is to be a runner and you want to be 200 pounds, what does that normal day look like? Are you waking up early? Are you waking up and first thing you're doing, hitting the McDonald's drive-thru? Probably not. If you're at your ideal weight, if you're living your best life, you're going to be fueling yourself optimally. You're probably going to be getting up and running, right? So let's start with getting up and walking for the starters, right? And then build our way up there. So what we're doing is establishing the habits of our future self. And for me, that's really powerful. I love that. Establishing the habits of your future self. What is that 200-pound person eating? What is that 200 pound person doing with their time? They're probably getting up. They're probably, you know, you can start with getting up, but they're probably optimal, uh, optimizing their sleep, which means they went to bed on time. You're not going to bed at three, four o'clock in the morning trying to get up at six to go to work, right? So the habits of your future self, you can adopt those now and start becoming that now. And that will lead you to your success. Your success will be inevitable if you set that big goal and start adopting the habits needed to obtain that goal. Not just obtain it, but sustain it, right? So let's jump into the third one. What was the third one? The third one is, you know, so the first one is we have so many people that, uh, excuse me, don't even believe it's possible. The second one is people set small goals. The third one is people stop before they, you know, those that even start, stop when things get difficult. And a great story, again, going back to Ed Milet, a great story that he tells is when he was teaching his daughter how to ride her bike. <clears throat> so he talks about, you know, how the, the dads are holding the seat and holding the handlebars and, and jogging alongside their kid, and then you let go. You have that proud moment where your kid's taking, you know, their, their first bike ride, and so they keep going, but then you notice something like, wait a minute, they're not pedaling. You know, a lot of kids don't, a lot of kids fail to pedal. And so they're just coasting for a little bit, right? And and you feel good because you're like, okay, they're doing it. But then you, you have that panic because you know what's going to happen. They don't quite see it because they don't know. So you're like, okay, if they don't get, if they don't keep that momentum, if they don't keep pedaling, what happens? You start that wobble, you know, you first you start to slow down and then you start that death wobble and then you crash, right? So many people have that experience, right? They start their business, they start their weight loss journey, they start their diet, they start looking for jobs, whatever the case may be, they start their relationship, and then they don't pedal. And they start to slow down, they start losing momentum, then they start that death wobble, they're on shaky ground, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your finances, whether it's your business, whatever it is, you're on that shaky ground, and then you fall. 
you fall, you skin your knee, you bruise up your elbow, knock out a tooth if it's a bad one, you know, so you, and then so many people sit there and they're like, I'm never getting on the bike again, you know, they're in tears, crying about where they're at, crying about the scraped knee, not realizing like that's where most people start, not realizing like, okay, the simple, the simple solution here is keep pedaling, that's what Ed Milet says is keep pedaling, right, all I have to do is keep pedaling, keep that momentum, you know, because even if you do get back up on that bike, you know how hard it is. It's even more difficult to get going once you're at a dead stop. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so if you're climbing that hill, if you're pedaling and then your bike starts to slow down, wobble and fall, it's a lot harder to, to get that momentum up and start right where you just stopped. It's a lot easier to just keep pedaling. Don't stop pedaling. So many people quit, you know, they at, at the first sign of adversity. At the first sign of a hill or an incline, they're like, oh, this is hard. You know, how many people do that and they're like, oh, this is hard. Let me get off my bike and walk. You know, and that's, I guess that's the second phase of it, right? Is like, kudos to those folks who don't stop. But even getting off and walking sometimes is even more painful than if you were to just keep pedaling, right? And the time needed, you know, it's slower sometimes to get off and walk than to just keep pedaling. I remember back in my football days in high school, we used to have to do a conditioning run and it would be like to start practice in the summer, it'd be like 15 minute run, right? And the coach would blow a whistle and we have to sprint and then he'd blow a whistle and we have to walk or excuse me, just keep jogging. And you know, that start and stop, that start and stop was what it was trying to build up our stamina, but I was a big lineman, you know, that was difficult for me. So what I figured out was, okay, if I just keep an even pace, I won't have to start and stop. If I just keep my even pace, you know, I won't have to slow down to a walk because those times where you actually like are jogging, you're jogging, you're jogging, and then you just like, oh man, I'm so tired. Let me walk. For me, that walking pace was probably even more painful than if I just kept jogging. You know, it's like hitting the muscles different. You know, you're already fatigued. You're already tired. So now I have the embarrassment because I'm walking. And I'm not even really getting rest because my muscles are still sore and it's like hitting me differently than if I would have just kept an even pace and kept jogging, right? So I tell people to keep pushing through, right? Like Ed Milet said, keep pedaling, keep striving for that end goal, that big goal that you set with the, with the habit number two, you know, believing it's possible. So that's, those are my three keys right there is one, you got to dive in and change your belief system. Two, it's, you got to believe a, in a big goal, a big vision. And then number three, just keep going. Another story I'll tell quickly. Um, so again, I studied music. So I was at a uh, choral conducting and uh, honor choir thing. As I was in college, I just went to a workshop with Eric Whitaker. So for folks that don't know, Eric Whitaker is like the contemporary Mozart or the contemporary, like, you know, uh, choral arranger, um, composer conductor so he's like the business in terms of, in terms of modern day um composition in classical music and you'll talk to any high school kid in choir anybody that's been in choir in the last 15 years and they have sung an eric whitaker's piece right so eric whitaker's at this event and he's giving these kids um you know advice and he's going through their the um conducting and how to sing and the workshop and so one teacher was like, okay, you know, we gotta wrap up our time here soon, but um, Eric Whitaker, if there's one piece of advice you can give all of these students here today, what would your advice be? And boy, she did not want that answer, right? Cause like as an educator, they don't wanna hear this answer. But 
and as a parent, as a person, oftentimes, you know, in this, when we live in small boxes, this answer destroys that paradigm, right? So Eric Whitaker said, if you want to be successful, you have to have a plan A and put all of your effort into that plan A. He said, don't have a plan B because if you have a plan B, you'll use it. If you have a plan B, you will use it. I hope you heard that part. So Eric Whitaker, the greatest choral composer living right now, arranging and conductor. You know, in 100 years, people will be singing, if we're still on this planet, people will be singing Eric Whitaker tunes. Uh, and he said, have a plan A and put all your effort into plan A because if you have a plan B, you'll use it. No plan B. And, you know, I could see the teachers grimace like, oh, my gosh, oh, my goodness. You know, like he just told the kids don't have a backup plan. And how many of us grew up here saying, you know, I have to have a backup plan, especially if you played sports. That's all people taught you is like how many people are going to be successful in your sport? Oh, very few. So have a backup plan. Have a backup plan. He was saying, no, don't have a backup plan. Put all of your effort, every single ounce of your effort into your plan A and you will be successful in that. And I love that. I love it, right? Because so many of us have a plan B and we have a plan B for our plan B, which is called plan C. And we go on down the list and we never put our full effort into our greatness, into what is possible. We never do. We never invest that time and the energy. The energy needed to be successful could be that energy that you're investing, planning your backup plan, planning your plan B or C, you know, contingency planning, all that stuff. I'm not saying don't have it, but I'm saying that, you know, leave that for somebody else to plan for your contingency plan. Put your effort and your energy into your plan A. And that could be hiring somebody to do your contingency planning, right? You know, it could be it could be hiring somebody to do your meal planning. It could be somebody hiring somebody to manage your finances or hiring somebody, a coach to help you get where you want to be, right? But your your job is to clearly define where it is you're going. And not spend not spend so much time worrying about potential outcomes, of what ifs, and these Plan B, C, D scenarios. Like, no, have a Plan A, and focus 100% of your energy and your efforts into your Plan A. And that doesn't mean you don't pivot if Plan A isn't showing signs of success. You know, stay the course, but you may have to pivot. You may have to redirect. You may have to course correct. But it doesn't mean scrap it at the first sign of adversity. And that's what too many of us do. You know, the folks that get started and and the and who is it? Uh, David Goggins says, you know, you you have to learn through suffering. I'm not a I'm not a believer that you have to learn through suffering, but suffering sure is a teacher. I'll tell you that. You don't have to learn through suffering. You can learn through insight, but boy, suffering suffering can teach. Boy, <laughs> yet suffering will give you a lesson. So those are my three keys for why people don't have the level of success they want and how people can start overcoming that. But I just thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to me rant and ramble on this topic because I'm really passionate about it. You know, I've been working with people for a very, very long time. And if I could get if I can get people to take action on these three things, changing the belief system, it's easier said than done, but it's possible. Changing the belief system establishing big goals, establishing a clear vision on a big goal, and then not quitting, man, I, I can't imagine where humanity were, will evolve. I can't imagine the suffering that will be 
alleviated. I can't imagine the folks that are living in poverty that will ascend up out of that. The folks that are middle class now that can build wealth. The the folks that are, you know, only blaming and victim um, victim mentality. If folks can take ownership of that and really believe it's possible, reprogram their mind to believe it's possible. Set a big goal and and keep working, keep pedaling until you accomplish that goal. Boy. Man, there will be a lot of suffering that's alleviated in our communities, in our world, in our in our states, in our countries. I mean, if we can if we can all get on the same page about that, if, excuse me, if we can all get on the same page about that and rally behind that belief and that work ethic, those three keys, I look forward to a day where I can say I've helped other people, you know, change their belief system. I can, you know, that's what it really what I live for. You know, I've been doing it in a small. Uh, a small capacity or a smaller capacity, but I'm just looking for the day, the day where somebody's like, yeah, man, I really heard that talk or yeah, you know, just, just even planting the seed that it was possible, you know, that I can change my belief system. I don't have to be a victim. I don't have to live in fear, you know, just planting that seed. I can't wait to see that harvest. So Thank you so much for your time and listening to me rant and ramble on this. I'm just really passionate about it. So I hope you can tell from my passion, but share this out on social media. Please go ahead and leave me a review for a chance to be featured on a future episode, right? So if you leave me that five-star review, I'll be reviewing those on, um, you know, as they come in, I'll be sharing those with you guys to let you, to let you know that not only you are finding value in this, but other folks are finding value in this podcast as well. So until then, guys. Keep being geniuses and maximize, unlock your human potential. I love you guys and I'll talk to you later. I'm extremely thankful you stuck around with me on today's journey. Remember, if anything resonated with you today, please feel free to do me a favor. Like, subscribe, leave a message or a review. Reviews actually have a chance to be featured on a future episode. So continue to engage with us, build the community, share this out on social media with hashtag genius time. Until then, I wish you the best and I look forward to talking with you soon.